Welcome to the Cornerstone Baptist Church podcast. My name is Justin Wheeler. I am the preaching pastor for Cornerstone Baptist Church in Wiley, Texas. Thank you for joining me today. It is March uh, 2020, and this year on the podcast, we are answering questions that have been sent in from our church members or regular listeners. And if you haven't taken the time to submit a question, I want to encourage you to go ahead and do that. Let us know what you are thinking about And I or one of the other elders will let you know what we think about that. And you can submit your questions through our social media outlets, Facebook or Twitter, or you can submit it through email uh, through our website, cornerstonewiley.org. Now, today's question comes from one of our members, and it's a question about uh, the compatibility between God's love and God's judgment. It's a question uh, about basically how can a loving God send people to hell? Here's the question as it was sent in. In a conversation, a friend tells me that a good and kind God could not possibly intend eternal hell and suffering for people. How should I respond? What are things that I could say? Now, this is a great question, and it's probably one you've thought about yourself, or maybe you've you've received this question from an individual. Um, and, and to be quite honest, if there is a short list of Christian doctrines that rub people the wrong way, uh, God's judgment of sin is definitely near the top of the list. Because for many, the concept of eternal judgment, hell, seems to be an unfair punishment for what they consider to be just common, everyday, normal human sins. And then for others, the idea of God's judgment seems to contradict the Bible's claim that God is a loving God, right? So how, how can a loving God send people to hell? Now, in his book, uh, The Reason for God, Tim Keller shared a conversation that he had with two people in New York City about this very topic. And he quotes them in the book as saying these things. Number one, I doubt the existence of a judgmental God who requires blood to pacify his wrath. Why can't he just forgive? And this came from a graduate student from Germany. And the implication is that sin's not really that big of a deal. Why can't God just overlook that sin? Why can't God just wash it away and just forgive it? Um, And this, this question doesn't take into consideration the role of justice. Now, here's another quote that comes from the book. Uh, I have an even greater problem with the doctrine of hell. The only God that is believable to me is a God of love. And this is from an artist by the name of Josie. And the implication here is that justice is really not that important at all, right? That, that, That love and justice are not compatible, at least not her understanding of love. And I want to acknowledge that these quotes represent real people and their concerns about a difficult biblical teaching. But I also want to point out that there are two glaring problems with this type of thinking. And, and these problems relate to the, the central story of Scripture. These two sentiments fail to realize the absolute and unchanging holiness of God and they fail to understand the utter sinfulness of sin. There's two of these huge themes that the Bible makes us aware of, that the God who created us and all things is a holy God. He's a righteous God. And we, the, the problem within humanity, the problem in the world today, is that we have rebelled against our Creator God, and we live in a state of utter sinfulness. And there, there must be a reckoning of this. 
The Bible tells us this. This is part of the this is central to the biblical story. God is so holy that even the best of men have no hope of coming back into his presence on their own because our sin is so monstrous. Our, our, the only way for us to be forgiven was for God to send his son um, to give his life as a ransom to pay the price for our sin. Now, I expect non-Christians to reject the biblical teaching on the judgment of God, but we've come to the place where even those within the church who believe the gospel, they, they too refuse to accept this teaching on the judgment of God. Within the church, the doctrine of divine justice and wrath is largely ignored because it doesn't fit within our ministry paradigm. Um, it, it just it, And it doesn't fit within our plans for church growth. If people don't want to hear those difficult doctrines, we'll just dispense with those things. And I've said this a couple of times. You can, you, a lot of times you can find difficult biblical doctrines in our doctrinal statements as churches, but a lot of times churches just They've already thrown those doctrinal statements aside. They still have them, but they don't use them. Practically speaking, those churches, many in the church today, have just become allergic to those difficult doctrines, especially the doctrine of the judgment of God. We've developed something of an allergy toward this doctrine of God's judgment, which means that many avoid the topic because we don't want to have an unpleasant reaction. It's even become common for teachers to overemphasize God's grace that we fail to even mention sin, which ultimately strips the gospel of its power. But here's something that the Apostle Paul wrote, and, and I think it's something of a summary of the New Testament gospel. He says this, The saying is trustworthy and it deserves full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and then Paul says, and I am the chief among those sinners. Now, here's what he says. Jesus came to save sinners. And we rejoice when we hear this because of what it reveals to us about the love of God. Um, God didn't want us to be unsaved. He sent his son to save us. But we cannot forget that Jesus saves us from something. And that something is the judgment that our sin deserves, right? And there's no way that we can adequately understand the love of God if we strip away the justice of God. These two truths come together to make the good news of Christ good, at least for those who believe. So really, I would want to in some way try to convey back to your friend and also to convince your own heart that one of the biggest concerns that we have to have in this issue of our God's love and God's judgment compatible is that if we're not careful, we may be rejecting what the Bible actually says about hell and in the process throwing away what, God, what the Bible says about God's judgment of sin and, and what, God, uh, what the Bible says about God's holiness and what the Bible says about our own sinfulness. If we throw these things away, then we don't have the gospel anymore because God's love and God's justice come together. They're at the very heart of the gospel. But there are other things that I would want your friend to consider and us as well. For instance, I would want them to consider their own internal sense of justice. Where does that come from? This sense of justice is consistently present throughout all of human experience. Every one of us has an impulse in our hearts that yearns for justice. When someone wrongs us or those we love, we want justice. 
sometimes our impulse for justice is too strong because it's fanned into flame by our passions and our sin and our ignorance or whatever. And sometimes our impulse for justice is too weak. But we all have this yearning for justice. It goes all the way back to when we were children and someone stole our toy or they took the toy that we were playing with. And we, we want that thing back and we want someone to make sure it gets back into our hands. We want justice from a very young age because we know in our hearts that it is right for the people who have done wrong to us, for the people who have hurt us to be held accountable. We know that within society, it is right and good for those who break the law to be called to justice. Now, why do we know that? Why is justice the backbone of every human society in human history? Well, that's a question that an individual who wants to dispense with you know, divine justice, they have to ask, they have to ask themselves and, and have to come up with an answer. And the Bible gives us an answer for that. Why is justice the backbone of every human society in human history? Why is the impulse for justice present within all of us? Well, the Bible says it's because we were created by a God who is himself a just God. The Bible says we get our sense of justice from him. Our creator made us in his image, and part of what that means is that he has written his law on our hearts, on each of our hearts. And the justness of God is one of his chief attributes, and and he has written that on our hearts. So our sense of justice is a reflection, albeit an imperfect reflection, of his justice. And it's in the scriptures that we come to understand what his justice is all about and what his justice will look like. And and the Bible tells us that when God comes to pour out justice, his judgment, his justice will be perfectly just. And that's something that our internal impulse should long for. The Bible tells us, well, I'll say this as well. The Bible also tells us that the one who will in the end actually carry out perfect justice will be Jesus himself. And Jesus is not some cold and uncaring judge. He is filled with grace and truth. He's filled with love and compassion. He's motivated by righteousness and justice and fairness. And he he came to save the lost. He came not to heal those who are well, but to heal the sick. I mean, he came for the broken. This is the one who in the end will pour out or bring about perfect justice. And he's not going to show any partiality because Jesus hates evil. He loves what is good and he will execute judgment in the perfection of his holiness. And in his coming judgment, here's what Jesus is going to do. And this is what all of our hearts long for. Jesus will right all wrongs. Every injustice, every act of oppression, every heinous crime, every wicked act of violence, every violation of human dignity, and every transgression of God's law will be perfectly charged to the guilty, and their sentence will be carried out in full. That's what justice is all about. Is it unloving for a murderer to be held accountable for his or her crimes? Is it loving for a rapist to be let off scot-free? Is it loving for Adolf Hitler to be exonerated in eternity? I don't think so. And that means that our definition of love is very important. If we define love in such a way that it requires grave injustice, then our definition of love is not very loving to those who have been victimized. But if our definition of love is in some way rooted to the cause of justice, then we are getting closer to what the Bible teaches about hell. And, and, and again, 
this, this all comes back to our understanding of the central truth of the Christian faith, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news of Jesus Christ is that by virtue of, of the works of Jesus, we can be reunited with our God. The judgment that we deserve was poured out on Him, and now we are free. We've been ransomed from our sin, and we can come into relationship with God. And this judgment is at the very heart of the central message of the Bible. Jared Wilson, in his book, The Storytelling God, he writes, There is a glad escape from eternal condemnation, and it comes in the Savior, in the safety of the Savior who has taken the condemnation for sins upon himself and has conquered death and hell. Yes, for even you, if you want him. So why is it important that we not dispense with hell? Because the, the gospel is at stake. Why did Jesus die on the cross? Was it an act of divine love? Yes, the greatest ever displayed. But it was also an act of divine justice because on the cross, Jesus took our sins, the sins of all those who believe, and he paid the price for those sins by his suffering and death. Jesus has come to rescue us from the guilt and power of sin. He came to rescue us from the awful reality of divine justice of hell, the divine justice of hell. And so the gospel is good news because God judged sin by punishing Jesus instead of us. His justice was poured out on Calvary, and so was his love. Our sin was so great that the Son of God had to die to free us from its guilt and power, but his love for us is so great that he did so willingly. So the most incredible display of God's justice and love took place on a hill outside Jerusalem when the Son of God bore our sin to accomplish the Father's saving, redeeming plan. Now, there's a lot more that can be said about this, but I hope that this has been helpful to you uh, for your own heart, but also as you discuss these things with other people and you have a clearly biblical answer, at least a consistently biblical answer to give them, but also you can give them the gospel because this question gets right to the very heart of gospel truth. Now, if you want to learn more about Cornerstone Baptist Church, you can find us online at cornerstonewiley.org. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at cbcwiley. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cornerstonewiley. And you can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play to stay up to date on all the new content. Thank you so much for listening.